Good morning. Wilkinson here. Today I'm in LA and I am with Anila Zaman. And she was introduced to me by Lorendi Roos, who was on my podcast before. She's a great lady. So Anila wrote a book. And that's our main topic today, though I want to find out more about her. She's also a realtor, a very successful one. I looked at one of her new listings online and whoa, <laughs> really cool. So say good morning. Hi, good morning, everyone. Thank you for having me. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. How did writing a book come about? Uh, writing a book, first of all, it was something I never thought I was going to take on. I'm dyslexic, number one. Oh, are you really? I really am. So to write a book was a huge task for me. But I just started uh, writing morning pages. I had gotten a book called The Artist's Way that was gifted to me through a friend. And I, I have that book on my shelf. I never do? read it. <laughs> I want to write a book. <laughs> you should you should actually go through The, the Artist's right. Way. I actually got lucky because I had the book too. I had it for about 15 years, never opened it like you. Okay. And then I was walking one day on a street in LA and there was a flyer on, you know, one of those posts and right. it was an artist way workshop. And I was intrigued. I said, this is interesting. Right. This was a sign to open the book. So I started the workshop that made me do the book. And the book was really, it teaches you how to write morning pages. So it gets you into the flow of writing. That was my introduction. How the book came about was I lost a loved one through cancer and I just had this desire to share his story because he impacted my life so greatly that I wanted the world to know about John Nicholson. And so through the morning pages, I started writing about our how we connected and our love story and our whole story never thought anything of it in the process of it. It was just my journal of thoughts of my experiences with John. And mm. one day I had a girlfriend that lived down the hall come over on a Sunday and I was going to make brunch for us. And my journal was on the coffee table and I went into the kitchen to prepare breakfast. She started reading your journal. <laughs> Bad girl. <laughs> she really did. She got the drink. And I remember coming back when breakfast was made with like, a, you know, with coffee and stuff in my hand. And she's looking down at my journal. And I'm like, oh! but there's tears coming down her cheeks. And I grabbed it out of her hand. I was like, what are you doing? And she goes, oh, this is so beautiful. I had no idea. And I was like, what, what? Freaking out. Uh, right. And she's like, oh, my God, Anila, that was I didn't know. And and it was at that moment. She, that did, she didn't know your story. She didn't know it to that to the depths of the story. Okay. She knew the like the large brush stroke of the story, gotcha. but she didn't know the intertwining, right. weaving aspects of the story. Mm. And so she got a little insight into it and was very moved by it. She was crying. And it was at that moment that I thought, maybe I do have a voice and a story to share. And maybe just maybe it might impact people in a positive way. So what did you learn in that experience? Why, why did you write the book? What, it was hit, a hit hard the, experience. Number hit, one. hit some of the main points. <laughs> it was definitely challenging. I didn't know where to start. I think there's a chapter in the back of my book that I took a quote from Steve Jobs. 
that really resonated for me. And it was like his quote that he gave or the speech that he gave was that everything in life is a connection of a, of a dot. We're all connected through all these series of dots. And in the moment, we don't know why those dots are connecting. It's only later that we turn around, we see all the connections of those dots and why they happen. So we've got to have some kind of faith or dharma to believe in that all the sequences that are taking place, those dots are happening for the best and for a purpose. And so I took that and even thinking back now that we're talking, how did it all start? I knew I wanted to write this book. I didn't know how to do it. I was doing morning pages. So the story was already there, but still I didn't know how to go about in writing a book. Like to put it together. And to put, put it put together. together. Right. And I was at a New Year's Eve party and there was an author who was a very successful author. His books were actually turning into screenplays and movies. And my girlfriend had told me about him. So I walked up to him, it's a complete stranger. And I just said, hey, you know, Danielle said, you're a great author. You've got very successful books. I'm trying to write a book. What would be your advice to someone of myself who has never written a book? How do I go about it? And he said, my advice is I would start with chapters, write down all the chapters. And then within those chapters, write what you're going to talk about within those chapters. And that will be your roadmap to get to finishing the book and knowing what your book is going to contain. And it was really the best advice I got. And I took it and I sat there and I said, chapter one is this, chapter two. And I knew what I wanted to talk about. And then I wrote titles or subtopics within those right. chapters. And then I would I followed that roadmap. And that's how I got to the end. So what did you learn in the, not writing the book, but with John? Tell a little bit about your story here. My story is about being a woman in her late 30s who goes through a divorce, is so distraught by the divorce and doesn't see any hope for herself and finds solace in a yoga class. And upon that meeting, a gentleman who is 20 years my senior, who takes a particular liking to me, but I don't take a particular liking to him. <laughs> Only because of like the exteriors. I never thought I'd end up with someone that's 20 years older or, you know, in the physical shape that he was Well, he in. was doing yoga. So let's give him some <laughs> here. Come on. <laughs> yes. Let's give John some real good credit because he was doing yoga and he was really good at it too. But yeah, the story of John was my resistance to John at the beginning and then finally falling madly in love with John. Only when I fell in love in my timing, John got diagnosed with cancer and unfortunately did not survive his cancer. And then we had a beautiful and incredible connection once he transitioned to the other side. And till this day, it's been now 11 years since John passed. And till today, I still have connections with John that are so evident to me without a shadow of a doubt that that is still John's presence, his spirit, his soul that still is here with me today, you know, guiding me, leading me, sending me ways that I'm supposed to go. Like, I just usually smile and go, oh, and I always say, thanks, John, I love you. Because <laughs> I know there is a connection. Now, did you, were you just together? Did you eventually get married or what? No, our hopes were to get married and have children. Uh, but when we, when he was diagnosed with cancer, he proposed to me, he said, I'm going to beat this, we're going to get married, we're going to have children. 
Uh, we were told that he would be sterile through the chemo process. And the doctors had said, I'm, I'm, you know, do you guys want to have children? We both said yes. So we did have his semen stored in hopes that once he recovered from cancer, we would have viable semen to use to right. impregnate. But uh, we never got to that stage, unfortunately. Mm. Or I didn't get to that stage with John. So from the time you met him at yoga class to the time he passed, what, what was the time frame there? Uh, our journey was in total two and a half years. Two and a half years. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you said you he comes to you now. Would you consider him like a guide? I mean, I have guides that show me stuff. I have a Christian background and I never would have been in any of this. I'll, I'm going to call it woo-woo stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I've been doing energy work for years, five years now. And so I realize and communicate with my guides now. And so that that's that happens for me. So is that something you would look at it that way or is it a different way? No, uh, I would look at, uh, thank you for sharing that. Exactly. Cause I think people can think it's woo woo -y, right. and that I might be a little woo woo -y in, in right. my own head, but I'm sure you can share that there are things that are just unexplainable, right? Right. That you know that there's no way this could be happening. Well, I, for me, I get specific guidance on stuff. <laughs> it's like, wow. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it, interesting enough you say that because when I had to move out of John's home after some time and I was looking for the next place to live and like you say, guidance, I had guidance and knew the property that I was going to acquire was definitely a guidance through John because when John passed or prior to him passing, he had left me a note saying that he was going to be with me in the spirit of a hummingbird. And oh, wow. so whenever I see a hummingbird, I know it's a guidance that it's, it's, it's like a message or he's, his presence is with me. And so I walked into this particular home and on the fridge was a sticker of a hummingbird. And I just like started getting all these chills and tingles. And I just started thinking, I'm, this is, this is the one, this, this has to be the apartment I'm going to get. And I didn't know it upon signing and acquiring it. It was only after that I took a back route out to drive somewhere else. And I saw his last name. Nicholson was the street name. And I just, my jaw just oh, dropped. Wow. I was like, what? Wow. But then at the same time, you're like, yeah, but of course it would be. I do these energy sessions with my guy uh, every week, actually for five years now. And uh, it was really weird because there was like a really traumatic, session once where a lot of stuff was going on and the in his studio where, where we work there's two windows on two adjacent walls and he told me i get emotional now but he told me later there was two hummingbirds that were in the middle of the window just there the whole time that i was going through that it was these two birds it was like whoa mm -hmm. it's powerful <laughs> yeah yeah. It's really powerful. And I've had that happen many times. I remember on John's memorial, it was at the Riviera Country Club. And I was standing there on the deck the day of his memorial and a hummingbird came and I'm not kidding. It was like one or two feet away from my face and just stood there and looked directly in my eyes and was fluttering. And I just, my body filled with goosebumps and chills. Right. And I just knew without a doubt, I was like, oh my God, he's here. It's what amazing. other things has he guided you in? My career, even my really? career and ability to become a, you know, a real estate agent is I really believe that was his guidance. You know, uh, he was a transactional 
attorney. He worked in massive developments in Palm Springs and West Lake. And uh, when he was alive, he had told me to get my real estate license. And it was what I went and enrolled into school, but he got sick. So I stopped studying to be his caregiver and take care of him through his illness. And he passed and it was months I didn't know what I was going to do. And all of a sudden it just it dawned on me. I was like, my real estate, I should go back and finish my real estate. And the interesting thing is I called the school when I realized I should go back and finish. And she, the woman that picked up on the other side said, this is so ironic that you're calling today. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> of course it was. I said, why? And she goes, today's your last day to get an extension for six more months because you started a year ago and you happen to call the day that the last day of that year. But since you're calling, we will honor and extend another six months. And I said, great. And within that six months, I feel, finished my real estate course and got my license. Wow. Well, we chatted, as you know, for a few minutes before this podcast. I thought you'd been in it for years and years and years, the way you talk. My real estate? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's coming I on a good- doing it like 20 years or something. It's coming on about nine years now. Okay. That right. I've been uh, like licensed and, and uh, professionally, you know, selling homes. But I was doing real estate before with my ex-husband, but not as a realtor, just as like an in, investor or something. An investor right? buying homes, renovating them, and then renting them out for passive income. Okay. But John was the one that said, turn it into a, a profession a by getting your license. So talk about, you said you weren't attracted to John at first. <laughs> so let's talk about some of this. So what, tell me a little bit more about that. that all I, but then you realized that wasn't so important. Yeah. Uh, so my ex-husband was a very handsome actor. He had beautiful blue eyes and he was, his body was beautiful. You know, we were age-wise appropriate. And so there was all this chemistry and that's kind of who I visioned myself to be with. And when we got separated, I started practicing yoga quite a bit. And John walked into the yoga class and I didn't know this, but John told me he had noticed me weeks in advance and was always at the back class waiting for an opportunity to talk to me. <laughs> and one day he had an opportunity to talk to me prior to class. And like, he was just a nice man to me. Just a, an elderly man that was elderly. being kind. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. How old was he then? <laughs> so when I met John, I was, I want to say about 38 and he okay. was 58. That's not elderly. <laughs> Especially in today's market. Come on. <laughs> yes, today's market, given that I'm now you know, 50. So, yeah, but no, at that, 50 was, you know, was the old 30. Come on. <laughs> but you're right. But in that moment for you me, that, yeah. I felt that and right. thought that he's an elderly gentleman that's just being nice to me. So, you know, his hair was a little bit, you know, it was quite a bit salt and peppery, a little receding. And, you know, like never thought I would be with a gentleman like that. I, I was expecting someone else again, close to my age, five, five years, either, right. you know, older and that's about it. And so physically, you know, he had a little bit of a belly. I mean, he was in great shape, but again, it wasn't how I ever envisioned myself to be right. with someone, but he was really funny and intelligent. And I love more than the looks. It's if you have, if you're an intelligent human being and we can have really deep conversations about life and spirituality. And you're going to probably entice me. Like I'm going right. to want to spend time. Right. And I think for me, knowing who I am today, 
it's about that. It's about time and and knowledge that draws me into someone. So I will probably sit with someone, not feel the attraction, but I can gain attraction over time just through our conversations. And that's what John did. John opened my world up. He showed me, you know, I'd never been to LACMA in my 15 years or 12 years of living in LA at that time. And he took me to LACMA and he took me to jazz concerts and plays and the Gaffin Theater House. And I, my world just started opening up so differently with John. He was so worldly and intelligent and 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 slowly the onion layer started to peel. Like he became more attractive in my eyes. And I have to say, I was the best version of myself with John. I didn't have to be anyone like there are times I'm sure you feel it where mm. do you ever meet someone you're so attracted and you kind of like, you're all giddy and you're trying so hard to impress that other person. Right. Yeah. And no, I, no, I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can say I've done that in the past. Like I want someone to like me. So I'll just go above and beyond of being whatever, not the real me with John. I didn't have to put on any of that. Like I was just, this is Anila. This is how I talk. This is how I dress. I don't wear any makeup sometimes. And he liked all the facets. And then eventually I was like, why, what is it? I like, oh, why don't I like this guy? Like he, he likes everything about me. He's smart. He's intelligent. You know, he's funny. He's worldly. And it just, all of a sudden it just, it just happened. So did he ask you for a date when you, that day or how did that, how did that unfold? So the first time that he approached me in yoga class, he said, hello, before we went into yoga. And at the end, he came back and said, that was a great class. And I said, yes. And then he said, hey, do you want to grab some breakfast? And I really had nothing going on at that point. I was, you know, so distraught from my separation divorce that I said, yes, we had breakfast. We got to know each other. We laughed. He said, do you want to go to LACMA? So that afternoon, that yoga class, that date was probably a good five, six hour date because we did yoga, then we had breakfast, and then we went to LACMA and we hung out. What is LACMA? I'm, I'm... Uh, the Los Angeles Museum of Art. Oh, okay. On, um... I thought it was like some no. Eastern European festival. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. No, Duh. we went to I, LACMA. I've been there, but okay. I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> Sometimes the... You know, when you're hearing it, it doesn't, and you have all these, okay, whatever. <laughs> and, and that's okay. And he was really knowledgeable on the art. Like he loved Matisse and, you know, so he was talking about Matisse and, and then we had wine and we went to have a little drink afterwards. And I was, I'm clumsy just so you know, and I knocked over my glass of wine cause I was telling stories and I'm so, I use my hands to right, express myself right. and I was expressing myself and whacked over the wine and he laughed and it was just great at the end of that date though he went to kiss me and i he knew he was attracted i didn't know i was attracted and as soon as he went in for the kiss i pushed back with my hands and like pushed him away from me and i said hey look if you're like looking for that that type of relationship I'm not your girl. Oh, <laughs> I don't, really? Yeah, I was so, I was, I'm not your girl. I, I said, if you want to be friends, that's cool. But if you're looking for anything more, I'm not your girl. And he just kind of smirked and he laughed and he goes, he stepped not back. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what he thought. <laughs> he did. But he was such a gentleman. He smiled and he said, hey, Anila, I think you're a really cool chick. I just want to hang out with you. And I said, great, then we can be friends. And that's how it all started. Friendship. Well, he, he must have been a really smart attorney. He was. Oh, he was one of the best. Yeah, yeah. He is one. Of, he was one of his. One of the best out there. So the next date, how long 
before that happened? I think he waited two days and he reached out again and he asked me out to go for dinner. I said, yes. I mean, I had really nothing going on after I got divorced. I was so he was so, kind of filling the void for a while. He was totally yeah. filling in the blanks for me. And I didn't realize it at the time. And I actually like cried a lot on his shoulder about my divorce and about the how much I still loved my ex-husband. So he knew that I was still in love with my ex-husband, but here I was looking for just someone to talk to and spend time and not be in my head alone. And he mm. filled it so well. So it, it was very interesting. Then he asked, okay, so how it led up to the actual relationship was he asked me to go to Vegas for a friend's birthday party. And I said, okay, because I really wanted to change a scene from LA. I just wanted to get away. So we went to Vegas. We got to Vegas and we got to the Bellagio Hotel and he grabs my hand. And he looks at me and goes, hey, look, I only have one hotel room. Would you feel better if I got you your own room? And, you know, I didn't want him to spend the money. I said, listen, John, because we were now buddies for like four months. And I said, John, can we just get one room with two beds? And I'd be totally cool with that. And he said, sure. So we got, you know, we got uh, a room with two beds and we were kind of like roomies. You know? Right. He's just a buddy to me in my mind. And he was very respectful. Like we, we went out, we had dinner with our friends. We came back, we like laid in our beds each and talked all night till we passed out. And, um, that trip went well. So then he asked for me, asked me to accompany him to another trip in Cabo. And I went and in Cabo, it was only one bed and it was a king size bed. And I was like, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> did he ask or did that just happen? That just happened. <laughs> Ah, so like, okay, so I got to ask the question, mm -hmm. pardon me for being rude. So how many dates, the possibility of two rooms to one room, double bed, then you went to the king bed. So how long before you, you got to like the twin bed where you're sleeping stacked? <laughs> so the twin bed, like, uh, so that the, our first trip was a twin bed in Vegas and that took four months to get to. Okay. And then the but next I met, month. I met you're both together in a twin bed. <laughs> oh, no. On the king bed in Cabo is when we consummated the relationship. But the consummation of the relationship was not what I wanted to do. It was almost pressured onto me because of a joke that was made that afternoon by his buddy who had invited us to Cabo. And we were out and we were having drinks. And maybe the drinks was flowing through us. But I remember Scott saying to John, so like, you guys are like getting it on right and i was like i was offended i was like what no no we're just friends we're just friends <laughs> and i remember scott looking over to john and they used to refer to each other by last names and he says nicholson you're a fucking idiot if you're bringing a girl you're not banging her <laughs> and john, but i really like her he said <laughs> exactly <laughs> And he was being such a gentleman because he could see the expression on my face. I was mortified thinking, right. what? And John looked over at Scott and he goes, you know, Scott, sometimes in life, you just got to like, you just like a person. You just want to be with them. It's not about sex to give me the ease. Like, don't right. worry, Anila. But I think that's the night he took the cue and thought, yeah, what am I doing? I've been hanging out with her for five months. We've never slept together. And that's the night he made the moves on me. And funny enough, on that journey, I had gotten a magazine when we were flying down to Cabo for to read on the plane. Right. And in that magazine, talk about the dots connecting. Right. There was an article about being a prude 
And so I started getting in my own head on that trip thinking, am I a bit of a prude? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) (laughs) so timing and comments and the king size bed, like everything just aligned for that moment to happen. But can I tell you when that moment happened, I kind of just went in with it with John when, as you like reached over and started kissing me and like, get like started to, you know, get on top of me. And I was like, in my head, I was like, what's happening? And then the, another part of my head was like, stop being such a prude. Just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, after it was, it was great, but I was so in my head of like, do I want this to happen or do I not want this to happen? And I couldn't right. figure it out right. that I wasn't completely in the moment. And I kind of remember after the act, the next morning, we were honest to God, like high school students, we were so awkward with each other. Because at the more <laughs> <laughs> This would make a good movie, you know. Because <laughs> I was like so bothered. I was like, then I started to get in my head, like, it was all because of Scott Peters. Scott Peters made that damn comment, and it put pressure on Nicholson to feel like he had to get in my pants, to feel like the guy. And then I kind of resented John. Huh. And I think John picked up on that, like, immediately. And, um, oh, my God, it's like, this is the entire book, what I'm just telling Uh-oh. you. It's, it is exactly the book. Um, I Why, remember- there, this begs another question, though. Did you buy the magazine, or did John buy it for you? How did you know? John did. How did you know? Oh, I'm just, what a coincidence. (laughs) (laughs) He's giving you a magazine that talks about don't be a prude. (laughs) No, no. The the truth is because he was an attorney, he read a lot of literature. And so he said, we were at the, at the newsstand and he said, Hey, grab a book to read on the airplane. Cause he would always grab a new book and he would read, he was just like a reader. And I grabbed a magazine and I remember he looked over and he goes, that's not reading. And I said, yes, it is. There's articles. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So he didn't, he didn't physically buy the magazine and hand it to you, right? Okay. No, he didn't. All right. He was always very gracious and just allowed me to be me. Hmm. How long after that, before you realized... Hmm. I really like this guy. This is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. After that trip, it was such an awkwardness between us. He felt it. I shut down. I avoided him. And he said, we need to talk. And so we did. And I remember, you know, he said, what's wrong? And I said, I did not want to go there with you. I did not want to have sex with you. I feel like we broke our friendship. I just want to be friends with you. What part of that do you not understand? Hmm. And I think I really hurt him in that moment because I could see his facial expression change too. And he took a beat and he processed what I said. And then he smiled. And I thought, what is what is he smiling about, this guy? <laughs> right. <laughs> and it was because in that moment, I think he knew exactly how he was going to play me on the chessboard. Wow. Yeah, because I said, what are you smiling about? And he said... Oh, nothing. And I said, no, you're smiling. He goes, I just know some things you don't. And I said, whatever, John. And I got in my car and I said, I've got to go home with some attitude. I was a little sassy. (laughs) (laughs) I was a little sassy. And I got in my car and I drove away and he didn't call me. One day, two days, three days, four days, five days. And I was like, I started to miss him because we had such a routine of being in each other's lives. Right. And he didn't call, but he would text, hope you're having a great day. Really short. Enough to touch, to say, I'm still here, 
but not enough of like picking up the phone and checking in and saying, want to do dinner, want to do that, like what we were, I was accustomed to and used to. And in that moment, I missed him so much because there was this void now. So I reached out and called him and he didn't pick up. And I left a message and I said, hey, I haven't heard from you. I miss you. And then also I realized, what did I just say? I miss you. What? <laughs> What's happening here? Uh-oh. <laughs> and he ended up returning the call and said, hey, sorry, I've been so busy. I'm working on a really big case. Miss you too. I'd love to see you. What are you doing on Friday night? And I said, Again, nothing. And he said, great, I'll make some reservations. We'll go see a jazz at Catalina Jazz Fest. We'll go see a little show and then we'll grab dinner. I said, okay. We went into the show. We had some great Merlot and the wine was buzzing through me and the night was over and we walked to his car and he put on his car and You Must Be My Lucky Star by Madonna came blaring on And I was, I had a little wine. I started dancing and I said, John, get out of the car. Let's dance. And I was dancing around him and he was always so complimentary to me. Like, oh, honey, you're fabulous. Dance girl, dance your heart out. And I just, I just looked over at him and he was leaning against his car. His twinkling blue eyes were shining at me and had a big smile, just watching me have fun. And in that moment, I just grabbed him and I like went in and I just started kissing him and kissing him and kissing him. Wow. And at first he was a little hesitant. He didn't know what to do because for so long I was so resistant. And now I was the one coming in. And I said, John, will you take me home, please? And he drove me home. And I said, John, will you please come upstairs with me? And, And then it all unfolded. My heart just opened up like it had never opened up. And all of a sudden this lens of how I saw John was so different. And I immediately in that moment, I can say I fell in love. Then from that point to when he was diagnosed, how long? That was very short after that. Hmm. I think it was a matter of a couple of months after that. I opened my heart, fell madly in love. And then we went on a vacation and he had pulled a muscle and the muscle that ache from that muscle pull was the beginning of it. We didn't know he had cancer. I think I admitted my love for him in October by February. He started to feel extreme pain, March, April, May, June, July on my birthday, he got diagnosed. Mm. So after, uh, after a few months of me professing how much I loved him, He started feeling this pain and I would nag him to go see a doctor and he didn't want to go see a doctor and we kept pushing it and pushing it to get him properly taken care of. And when we finally got him to the doctors, when he finally went to see it, that's when we, they were diagnosed that he had cancer. And then from the time that he got diagnosed, which was August, he passed in December. So once we found out that he had it, it just went really fast. Wow. So... Looking at the big picture here, I mean, some people would say, I finally got it and then I lost it. So the universe was toying with me. You gave it to me and then you yanked it away. What do you do with that? Mm. Or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I did feel like that at the end. I cried a lot because I was like, and a part of me, I thought, am I being punished because I didn't see this incredible human being when I was first given this gift? And I'm only recognizing the gift now that the gift has been taken away from me. Right. 
So I struggled with that for a long time too. And I think that was partially why I wrote the book because it was a gift. And I wanted people to see that when it comes, you know, maybe we recognize it in our own like insecurities and hangups can sometimes hold us back from what could be the best thing that comes in our life. But don't you think it took the process for you to realize that? It's not like at yoga, you could have, you weren't at the point in your life where you could say, wow, whoa, here's John. <laughs> you know, yeah. it wouldn't have happened at that point. Yeah. And then cutting to now, it's been 11 years since John passed. And every experience that I've had, I can probably say I see it in a different lens now because of the experience I had. So you have more of an open heart walking into a possibility. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. And I really do, and I've done a lot of healings with like the Joe Dispenza's and reading the, the, the logic and theory behind their teachings. And I really, in my heart, without a doubt, believe that everything that happens in our life is happening for us. So I believe I for had us to. And not to us. Yeah, yes. not to us. Right. Like, I believe I can sit here today and have this conversation with you because of the experience I went through. I would right. not have this moment with you even. This is another right. dot of connection. Exactly. But I wouldn't have that had I not gone through what I did with John. Well, I would love to keep talking all day, but we want people to go buy the book, right? We would love if people went in. <laughs> so in our episode notes, we're going to put the connection. Uh, they can easily get it on Amazon. It's a good deal. Yes. And I told you uh, I ordered one. Normally I'll read a book before I interview someone. But as I was driving to LA, I got the the email on my phone saying, oh, your book was just dropped off. So, But I'll, I'll enjoy it. I think a little bit different perspective being able to read it now when I go back. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much me. for having me. This is me. really fun. You're a really fun lady. Oh, thank you. I really thank enjoyed you. our time. Okay. Thanks again. Thank you.